This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. Hello and welcome to The Happy Molecule. I'm Kevin Frankish. A new feature starting today. From time to time, I'm going to bring you something called My Story. It's stories told by people about their own mental health journeys, and simply that. Some may have happy endings, others not so much. Now, it's in no way meant to exploit or shame anyone. I ask that you listen without judgment, understand without condition, and be as open with yourself about your own mental health journey. Keep in mind, these stories are one point of view. While I do my best to sort out any perceived errors or exaggerations, the opinions expressed are those of my guests. But that's a pretty important opinion. So here we go. My story, right now on The Happy Molecule. This episode, to begin with, two stories. Later, we will hear from Mark, 31 years old, living with complex PTSD, ADHD, and bipolar, and struggling. His mom tells me that I actually spoke to him on a good day. But first, Susan's story. Only 18, but already with a history of abuse, cutting herself, suicide attempts, anorexia, PTSD, and bipolar. Hi, Susan. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. First of all, I just, I, want to, I just want to assure you that, I mean, I'm not here to exploit you and, I, and um, I'm not here to uh, make you cry or, or, or anything to sensationalize this. I really want people to hear you because I think listening is so important. So just want people to know you're 18, but you, you're doing this with your parents' full knowledge. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's get a little background on you. Tell me a little bit about uh, about yourself. Yeah, well, um, I'm 18. I was a university student first year. Finished my first year, taking a little break now. Um, yeah. Tell me about when you first started having any issues with your mental health. Well, when I was 13. I started having issues with depression and then I got into counseling pretty quickly. I did um, CBT therapy for a little while and I was also struggling with an eating disorder at the time, but when I was about 14 or 15, I started going to a hospital program for that. Okay. Let's talk about the depression. What, what, how is it manifesting itself? How is it, how is it coming up in you? Um, I, I became very um, like demotivated. I had always been very, a very high achiever in school and I just stopped caring and I was very lethargic and always like sleeping or lying down. And I always, I, it wasn't necessarily feeling sad. It was more feeling empty or numb. Any reason why? Was there something that triggered this? Well, around the time my 
aunt had just been diagnosed with cancer and my grandfather had passed away. So I was very upset about those, of course. I think that triggered it. And what did the therapist say? What was it? Was the diagnosis depression, anxiety? Uh, yeah, depression and anxiety. Okay. And then eating disorders, did they start soon after? Yeah. The eating disorder started around the same time. I just didn't get treatment for it for a couple of years. Did you recognize you had an eating disorder? Eventually. At first, I didn't. But after a couple of years, when I, I told my parents and they kind of helped me realize that it was an issue and I needed to get help for it. And tell me a little bit about the eating disorder itself. Well, it was um, atypical anorexia with um, a purging subtype. So I was restricting my food and purging what I did eat a lot. Was it because you were worried about how you looked? Partially. It was partially that because I was very insecure at the time that it started. But it was also a way I was trying to gain control because I felt like all the other aspects of my life were spiraling out of control. Interesting. Interesting. And did you realize you were trying to gain control at that time? And again, a lot of this stuff that, that we have, whenever we have a diagnosis of any sort, you know, we, we may have hindsight 2020, but how soon before you realize, wait a minute, this, this is something I need to, to look into. Um, I think about a year into it, I realized it was an issue, but I never realized that it was my way of trying to get control until I had gone to the counseling for it. And like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Did you, did you sort of resist at first? Maybe tell your parents, oh, come on, I don't have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I, I know I did with my depression, just so you know, it's, yeah. it, you know, you, you, you live with it and you don't, you don't realize it. And I don't know. What do you think? Do you think you're, for me, I don't know if I was just afraid of, of what a therapist or a doctor might tell me. I don't know. Do you, do you know why you, you resisted it so much at first? I think I was heavily in denial. Um, I was like, oh, cause I lived with it every day. I just assumed it was normal mm-hmm. and I almost was too afraid to deal with it. So I didn't want to have to admit to myself that I had a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's move on now a little bit. I mean, you have had trauma in your life, you know, by the time you're 18, that, that so many people would never understand. So let's talk about what happened when you were 15. Um, well, I started dating this guy and he quickly became very emotionally abusive and um, he did sexually assault me at one point when I was about 16, 17. And that really affected my mental health. And I didn't, I didn't quite realize at first that it was a problem. But then a year later, COVID hit and I was at home all the time. And I started reflecting on these things that had happened to me and it started really affecting me. Like I realized what exactly had happened and it just made my day-to-day life harder to deal with. 
Yeah, just before we go on any further, and I'm going to do this a few times during during our chat, uh, you're okay right yeah. now to, to continue talking about this. Yeah, thank you. Oh, okay, all right. And anytime, you know what, just tell me you need a breath or you want to stop or you don't want to talk about something. That's, that's uh, you know, that's what we're here for, uh, to, to get your story. But I, I don't want to sensationalize it. So I guess in, as in any abusive relationship, one, one of the... One of the characteristics is that the victim quite often will either blame themselves or feel it will get better. Yeah. Were you in either of those or both of those categories? Yeah, I would say I was in both. I thought um, this person had manipulated me so much that I thought it was my fault that he was doing this to me, like as if I deserved it. And as if I had been better it wouldn't have happened. How did that end, that relationship? Um, I honestly, we were in some like silly little argument and I just blocked him. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you were an argument over text or over yeah. online. Okay, yeah. And you just blocked him and since then that's been it. Yeah. How long ago was that? That was about eight months ago. Okay. And since then, no attempted communication? No, that night he did try to communicate with me, but since then, nothing. Okay. All right. You told me you started hurting yourself. What What age was that? Um, about 13. About 13. What were you doing? Um, I was cutting myself and burning myself. And did you do this on your own? Did you see or hear about it? Um, I think I like saw about it on like the social media website Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And then I started using it as a coping mechanism. What did it provide for you? Sorry? What did it do for you? Um, well, I think the reason I did it was because it was like taking my emotional pain and turning it into physical pain, which was like taking away from the emotional aspect. But obviously, that was not a healthy way to cope. Mm -hmm. And and did it get any more serious? No, no. And, And how did you did you tell someone about it? Yeah, I did tell my mom about a year after I started. A year after you started. So you've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah. What made you tell her? Um, well, one of my friends at school saw and got very concerned, obviously. And that's when I realized it was like a problem and not normal. Mm-hmm. So up until then, you didn't think it was a problem or weren't at least aware no, of it? I think- yeah, I think I was mostly in denial. Mm-hmm. And what happened? How did how did you stop doing it? Well, I started going to counseling, and my mom started like monitoring me more closely, and like I wasn't allowed to have sharp objects. Yeah, yeah. For example. And now, what what about going further than that? Is you know when we talk about suicide ideations, did you ever think of, of suicide? Uh, yes. You did. And it, what, what did you think? What were you thinking? 
I just, at one point, my um, depressive state was so bad that I felt as if, like, my life was not worth living anymore. And did you ever attempt it? Yes, that's how I ended up in the psychiatric ward. Oh, okay. And what is is that? Now, we, we talk about rock bottom. That, I guess, would be the rock bottom for you. Yeah. Did it scare you? Yep, it was pretty scary. Scared you into doing something better for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Would you ever do it again? Do you think? Uh, uh no. Wait, how can you say that so positively? Well, I mean, I hope I never get to that point where I consider it again. Mm-hmm. But I think. I've um, gotten the chance to learn more how to manage my symptoms and deal with my emotions in a more effective manner. Oh, I sure hope so. I, I, I sure hope so. It, it as 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 a, a younger person, and if you think that it just wasn't worth being here, um, did you not want to reach out, or did you ever think about reaching out and said and saying to someone, "Hey, I think I want to kill myself." Yeah, I did at one point, and then I got more um, counseling, but the the feelings kind of just came back. Just came back. That was probably about three, four years ago. What could we do differently for young people like who have that that same? sort of feeling out there what do you think we could do better honestly i think it needs to be taken a bit more seriously like at one point um about three years ago i went to the er the hospital um with a lot of suicidal thoughts and a plan and i went and i told them and they basically just sent me home that night and were like you'll be fine just come back tomorrow no to meet with a therapist no counseling no calling your mom no nothing no my my, um no i called my mom you to tell her where i was yeah but yeah huh but then um i think it should be taken more seriously and when people are at that point they should be like monitored closer in like the hospitals not just let like being allowed to leave what about getting in touch with our feelings more in school and things like that? What what more could we do, do you think? I think um, schools have definitely come a long way in terms of talking about mental health, but I think there should be more um, options for like ways to get help through the schools, like um, counseling and having someone to listen and help you out when you don't know what to do. And it isn't that way now, do you think? A bit more. There are still some challenges, but it's definitely better than it used to be. Yeah. Um, okay. So now this this helps us to sort of understand the background uh, of mental health issues for you and and how they started. So you ended up in a, a psychiatric ward of a hospital. Yes. How many times? Uh, once. Once. And how long ago was that? That was just a couple weeks ago. Okay, so now tell me about your experience. How did you end up there? Um, I was very depressed and I took an overdose. 
but then I regretted it immediately. So I went to my parents' room and I told them that I needed to go to the hospital and what happened. So then they called the ambulance and I went. And I spent the night in the ER before getting sent up to the psychiatric unit. So, okay, let's, let's go through this now. So when the paramedics arrived, what happened? What happened when you arrived at the emergency room? Um, well, I went and I sat in the ambulance and the paramedic like kind of talked me down because my heart rate was very high at the time. I was very anxious. Um, and then I went into the ER. They just got my information and I sat in the room overnight and it was a little stressful. I was hooked up to like an EKG, I think, and had my oxygen monitor and I didn't know what was going on and I was kind of stressed out about it. Um, but then eventually the next day, because this was around 1 a.m. that I got there. And then the next day around dinner time, I got sent upstairs. In that time that you were sitting in the emergency room, did you not get any sort of counseling whatsoever or anybody who was asking about your mood, your feeling? Yeah. Um, a doctor came in to talk to me about it. She asked me how I was feeling, if I felt like I was still at risk of harming myself. And then um, when she got her answer, she um, decided to form me. Mm -hmm. She gave me a form one, which is a 72 hour involuntary hold, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, then like the nurses would come and check on me every so often. But during that and time, so once the doctor did, did talk to you, there was really no other professional that came in to talk to you, any spiritual advisor in anything? Uh, there was another psychiatrist, but he pretty much said the same things that the other doctor said. And, and did any of them try and put your mind at ease? Because you say it just, it, it, to me, you, the feeling I get from you is you were kind of scared and, and really bewildered as what was going, what was happening to you. Yeah, they kind of they kind of just um, explained to me, like the process, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm I'm giving you something called a form one, and then you're going to be sent to the unit upstairs. All right. So you arrive at the unit upstairs, which is the psychiatric, uh, psychiatric ward, um, secure or not secure uh, facility? Because there, there's I think both kinds in hospitals where there's one that's very very strict and and the other one which isn't so strict which one did you end up in um i was in the one that was not so strict that's good okay so at least so you didn't have to experience the other one so tell me about your experience in that unit from the time you got there um so i got there it was like just after dinner time and um my nurse the first night was very nice one of my favorite nurses from that hospital experience. Um, she came a lot to check up on me and see how I was doing and discuss what had happened and if I was feeling okay and calm. Um, yeah, I was introduced to my roommate and I, I got to change into the scrubs they gave me because I wasn't allowed my clothes. Mm -hmm. And then I started trying to um, participate more in the groups and socialize a little bit to meet people. I wanted to 
honestly, at first I wanted to make a good impression so they would think I was stable enough to leave. That was my first night kind of thought. Um, but then I started realizing the importance of participating and trying to socialize while you were there. What were the days like? What, 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 how did you fill your day? Um, honestly, they were very long. I would go to a group in the morning or early afternoon. Sometimes it was stretch. Sometimes it was meditation. Sometimes it was like a, a class to teach us about different mental illnesses. Um, I would walk laps with um, some of the other patients I met. It was very therapeutic. Um, someone I had met um, did that as a form of meditation, actually. And I, I colored a lot. We did a lot of coloring pages in there. We kind of just did whatever to pass the time. So tell me about, tell me about the, this ward then. If, if, if you could speak to whoever the, 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 is in charge of, of these facilities, good, bad, what would you change? What would you keep? Um, I would say the, the ward itself was decent. I think the issue is some of the staff, they, they weren't in the job for the right reasons. Like you could tell when some people really loved their job and cared about the patients that they were looking after versus the, one who, the ones who it was just like the way, like their job for them because some of them were very caring, very understanding and um, spoke to me like normal as if I was just like a normal other person. And then some of them, it almost seemed as if they looked down upon us. And for me, I was the youngest there in this adult ward. So some of them kind of spoke to me as if I was a child that like, as if I couldn't understand what they were saying and they had to dumb it down. You get listened to very much there because when, when you talk to me about these these sessions, um, you told me it was a lot about uh, you know uh, discussing different mental illnesses and stretching and meditating things like that. But but what about listening to you? Did you get listened to very much? A bit by um, some of the nurses would um, come in and check up and have a little chat to see how I was doing and they always listened and the psychiatrist and the social worker did as well but I didn't get to see the psychiatrist or the social worker very often how often um I saw the psychiatrist I was there for um six days I saw him I think like three times but they were all very quick and yeah okay and then the social worker I saw a couple times and she was also very helpful, but difficult to track down at times. Yeah. Probably very busy. Yeah. <laughs> what else would you, what else would you want to see happen in, in these wards? Um, I would say one thing is more staff because a lot of them had um, like too many patients. So they didn't have enough time for each patient. Mm-hmm. Also, um, maybe more of a like counseling or therapy option 
because we, we did have psychiatrists and social workers that we spoke to, but we didn't have the option for actual counseling while we were in there, which I think would have been very beneficial. Tell me about some of the people in the ward that, that you met. What was your impression? Um, all the patients were very nice. I liked how it was like everyone there from who I talked to seemed to actually want to get better. So it was very, it's very um, nice to meet people who want the same thing as you and are trying to reach the same goal as you. Though we may have had differences in our struggles, we were all there to try to get better and better our lives. You're okay, right, still? Yeah. Okay, good, good. Um, now that you're out, what what next? What What's next? Um, well, I was referred to, to outpatient programs. Mm-hmm. And I started working on a DBT skills workbook. And I'm just trying to take some time to really focus on my mental health and make sure I'm ready before figuring out the next part of my life. How are you feeling right now? Um, let, let, let's maybe ask a few specifics. How, are you hopeful right now? Yeah, I have, I have a plan for the future, a, a loose plan, but one that I think would be good for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Are you able to share some of that plan with me? Yeah, I want to go to college and do something like child and youth care so I can help others in the future with my future career. And so you're hopeful of that. What has to happen before that happens? Before that happens, I have to really um, get my mental health more under control and focus on being like fully okay. So that's, that's my goal for right now. And I, I do think I can reach that by the time I go back to school. I hope so. It, it, it sounds like that. Um, what do you think has changed between a few weeks ago and today? Um, I feel more calm. I also like a lot more calm than I was a few weeks ago. More like at peace, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I also, um, I think one of my biggest issues was that I didn't have the right diagnosis at the time. How so? Tell me about that. Well, I was um, diagnosed with um, major depressive disorder. Mm -hmm. But now um, my psychiatrist suspects and is monitoring me for bipolar 2 disorder. So... um, Obviously, my medication was aimed for depression, so it wasn't working properly. How often, how often was your medication checked? Since you, how long have you been on medication? Since you were about 15 or how long? No, um, since last summer. Okay, so how often in that time was, were you sort of checked to, to sort of say, hey, how's the medication doing? Any thoughts, any side effects? How often was your medication checked? Um, well, after the first couple of weeks, my doctor checked in with me. And then every like... Um, few months it would I would be having issues with it again so I would make an appointment to talk to my doctor about it 
And was the medication changed? Was it changed up at all? It was, um, I just had the dose um, increased. Okay. And did that help? For a little bit. For a little bit. And then I had a really bad crash. Tell me about that crash, if you could. Well, I um, I don't really know how to explain it. I just, I, I went from being in an like exceptionally good mood and very energetic and go, go, go to being extremely depressed and not being able to get out of bed in the morning and very unproductive and like slower, I guess. So very much a, a symptom of, of bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. How, how were you feeling at that time? We, we talked about having hope and you say you have hope now. What about a year ago? Um, a year ago, I did not okay. have a lot of hope because I was, um, I felt very trapped as if like, I didn't know how to get better. So I didn't know what to do. What did you do then? I just kind of played it day by day, but I was very depressed most of the time. Yeah. Um, I, I really want to thank you for sharing your story with me. Um, uh, it, it sounds like you've done a lot of the work of getting better yourself <laughs> and, and been your own mental health advocate, which I'm, I'm really proud of you for doing that. And, and, and I hope you're able to keep this positive attitude because you're worth it. You're important. And especially if you are going to go into a field of helping others, because there's a little girl out there, I'm sure, quite a few of them, that's waiting for you to talk to and to hear your story and that there can be a positive outcome with the work. Um, so I wish you all the best and I hope that every day is just one more step upwards. Thank you. Well, Susan's doing well with her treatment, I'm glad to tell you. She's improving day by day. She tells me she will be going to college in the hopes of doing youth and childcare. She knows that she can relate very well to problems that young people may be having. I think she's right and I think she'll do quite well. And now, Mark's story. He's 31 years old. His diagnosis is becoming more and more common with teens and young adults. Mark lives with complex PTSD, ADHD, as well as bipolar. His story is sadly becoming more and more common. Hello, Mark. Good afternoon, Kevin. How's it going? Not too bad today. How about yourself? I am well. How are you? Uh, life's got its ups and downs, but I try and remain as positive as possible. You thought about that. You knew what I was asking when I said, how are you, right? Yeah, I know exactly what you meant. Now, today's a good day for me. So Today's a good day. Why is that? Any particular reason? Honestly... I'm, I'm not slurring my words. Outside, it's nice. I don't know. It just feels like a positive day. Well, let's keep it that way. I want you to know that uh, 
I want you to be able to stop at any time you want to stop. If I bring up something you don't want to talk about, you let me know. The idea here is to find out more about you, not to uh, exploit you. Understandable. Okay, so let's start right back at the beginning. When did you first realize there was some issue with your mental health? Uh, well, okay, I grew up in an abusive household, so that there, I was always acting out. So I realized when I had like, I had to go see a psychologist when I was a kid and that kind of, well, multiple times actually. And that kind of gave me an idea that something wasn't normal. How old was that? Uh, about nine years old. About nine years old. Since that time, what, what path is your, your, your mental health issues taken and your treatments? Um, at the time, it's weird because I didn't really, I was like offended when people would be like, oh, you have bad anxiety, but I, I genuinely just didn't understand it. So I was afraid of it. So I'd get upset. And that would just exacerbate the, the whole thing. Yeah, it would like set me off and it was weird because I never understood why I'd overreact in certain situations that other people wouldn't. And tell me about some of the the, the moments along the way, the more memorable moments and, and changes, both good and bad. Um, well, I couldn't focus and that was very frustrating for me. And then like the teachers would think that like, oh, he's not paying attention. And it's like, they don't understand that I'm trying to pay attention so bad because I know that like, if I didn't pay attention and I did bad in school, the repercussions at home sometimes weren't worth not paying attention. And did any of those repercussions happen often? Uh, when I was real young, yeah. Like when my parents were still together. Yeah. But then when my parents, my mom left my dad and took me, it changed a lot. And how old were you then? I was about nine and a half, actually. Okay. And at school, was there ever any further investigation into your mental health, into your actions? Well, they thought I just had ADHD, but then when I took the test as a kid, I didn't have it. But then I took the 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 test as an adult, and I definitely, they definitely said I have it. Okay. Now, in particular, we're talking about experiences in mental health units, the psych ward. How often yep. have you How often have you been in one? I've only ever been in it twice, but my last time was a longer stay. It was about two months, and it was one of those situations where at first I couldn't really understand, like, why am I here? But I learned from it a lot. Like, I did a lot of, like, like finding myself kind of in there. That makes any sense. Makes perfect sense. So, so more so the second time around. What happened the first? Well, how did you get there the first time? Okay, the first time. And how long ago? And I'm sorry, how long ago was that? I was 19 mm -hmm. when that happened. I'm 31 now. Um, the first time it was I watched my grandma pass away, and then. How old I were you then? Th that was about was, the same time. 
I was 19, yeah. Okay, all right. And then it was, I watched my grandma pass away, and then I had to go to the funeral, and then I got moved to my dad's house that I haven't lived with since I was a child out west. And then when I came back, I was just like, it was, I had a friend die that summer, and it was, well, actually he got murdered downtown, and it was just overwhelming. So I really, like, at that time, I was angry at the world, and I wanted everyone else to hurt the way that I hurt, but I also was like a liability to myself. Have you ever thought about or had suicide ideations through all this? Um, only really that one time did I actually genuinely say, like, I said I wanted to drive my car into the wall. And uh, my mom knew there was a wall at the end of the street, like a couple of blocks over. And she knew that my car was fast, so she was just like, not happening. She ended up calling my sister. My sister messaged me being like, hey, you want to go out just to talk? And we started off talking, and then I kept wondering why we were getting closer and closer to the hospital. And then she brought me into the hospital, actually. What were you thinking? What did you think? At the time, I can't lie. I was very anxious. I didn't understand, hey, why me? Like, what did I do to get in here? And then when I was in there, at first, honestly, I was kind of scared. <laughs> There's your dog. <laughs> Who's that? What, what's the dog's name? Oh, her name's Karma. <laughs> Karma. Yeah, interesting choice of an mom. interesting choice of a name. She's a new Phoenix. Yeah. How important is karma to you, the word karma? Uh, well, it's weird because when I was younger, I didn't really believe in it. Because I was, I got violent when I was growing up because of my upbringing. But it's one of those things where I never thought about it because I'm like, oh, they, like, I don't want to say like I felt untouchable, but I just wasn't really... I never got paranoid mm -hmm. because I was like, what, what can happen that's not worse than what's already happened to me at home? That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so, so you're now in the hospital your first time. You're 19 years old. You're not really certain why you're there. You're scared. What happened? Um, well, honestly, the first time it was kind of weird because... It was before COVID, so it was way open. You could actually be on your phone. There was a lot more to do. But um, it was weird because at the time, they would just put, like, the food trays in the dining room for people just to go and grab them. Well, I woke up, like, three days in a row, and my breakfast is gone. So <laughs> that didn't help with the anger. Did you tell someone? <laughs> Yeah, well, I ended up having to be like, hey, like, I don't know what's going on. You guys wake me up. Like, how many my food's gone? And then I ended up finding out it was some old guy taking the food, thinking it was extra. Ah. Uh, so you can't really, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it wasn't anything targeted against you or anything like that. What no. about the rest of your experience there? The first time, it was not the best. How so? What do you mean you're not the best, if you're all right to talk about it? Um, yeah, not at all. Um, okay. It was one of those situations where 
I just, I didn't know anybody and I didn't feel like the doctors cause I, I got a bunch of tattoos, right? Like, yeah. so it's one of those things where like certain people would judge you off the way you look before trying to get to know you as a person. So that was super overwhelming for me because I was always raised, you show everyone respect. So I can understand how- Can you honestly, can you honestly say that you showed them respect? Uh, The first nurses, probably not, because I just wanted to get out of there. Mm -hmm. But um, when I was actually like in there after the first night, yes. Because my thing is, I looked at it this way, I was like, Maybe if I show them respect and I act like really polite, they'll just let me go. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work. No, I was still on the form for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> you were at a form one. Yeah, the first time. Okay, so that's a seven. That's a seventy-two hour form that keeps yep. you keeps you there, whether you want to or not. Um, okay, so now the second time. You're there longer. How did you end up there? Uh, I had a mental breakdown. Like I was having a couple mental breakdowns a good day. And my family was telling me, they're like, look at like, you're not yourself. And, and just in just in the interest of, of, of really understanding the story, what, what's a mental breakdown? Well, I couldn't like control my emotions. I couldn't control myself. Like I was getting like really agitable. Did anything trigger it? A loud noises. Every, okay, because when my grandma passed away, the um, heart monitor noise, hearing a flat line. Ever since then, I can't really deal with high pitched noises or like too loud of noise. Wow. So it was like super overwhelming, and then. I wasn't well then. Like I was getting angry even towards my own friends and stuff. And and this world is full of loud noises. So it's not like something you could avoid. Yeah. It was like no matter where I'd go, there'd either be like a high pitch noise or like a loud bang or something. And then you try and avoid it or you look silly when you cover up your ears in public, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're, you're having mental breakdowns. How did that? Uh, how did that then lead you back into a mental health ward? Uh, I was getting very aggressive, and my family thought that I was going to be a liability to, like, myself and to someone else. So they brought you in. Uh, well, my family doctor. Yeah. I tried talking to her for a bit. And I would tell her, like, look at this medication is making me act this way. There's some medications I was on that made me, like, very aggressive. And from the get-go, I told her, I was like, look, at like, I can't be taking these. Like, they're making me really angry. Yeah. And I've never had medication change something like that because, in all honesty, that's why I never did any other street drugs other than smoke weed because I was always concerned about my temper. Like I don't Mm -hmm. even drink because first off, I want to be the only male in my family to never be an alcoholic. So I'm proud of that. Good for you. I'm proud of you too for that. That's tough. That's tough. That is real hard. Like, cause I can't lie. Like on my medication now, I can't have any, but like the odd time I would have like a beer or two, you know, like 
I have no problem with people drinking. It's just one of those things. It's not for me because I don't like the person I can be. I'm not always like that, but I don't like the person I can be when I drink. So I just don't. Man, that takes that takes a lot of awareness. Yeah, I um all my friends would always tell me they're like, "Man, you're either really nice <laughs> or you're not nice at all." So Yeah. Wow. One of those things where when my own friends are telling me it and then my family is like, "You should not drink." We don't like the person you are sometimes when you drink. That kind of told me like, okay, maybe my temper and drinking, it just like infatuates it. It makes it, inflates my ego pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, okay, I'm sorry, continue. Oh, no, I was just saying, and I didn't need that because I already had a temper as is because of everything else. So it wasn't good. Okay, so you're having mental breakdowns. Your family's concerned. Tell me about ending up back at the hospital. So my family doctor came to my house. I had an appointment with her and I was supposed to get uh, blood work requisitions done and emergency ultrasound, but the, the requisitions never got sent. And then my family doctor, I had an appointment with her that day, which I tried calling because I fell asleep late like late that night and only got two hours of sleep so i was trying to tell like i tried leaving her a message saying hey look it i can't come in today i need to get some rest can we like rearrange it for later in the day or tomorrow and my family doctor ended up doing a house call and showing up to my house i mean that in itself in this day and age is amazing but continue um she ended up seeing the weight i had lost because I had told her I was losing weight, but I guess she didn't think I lost as much as I did. So I lost over 20 pounds okay. from the one medication. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even look like myself. And, and then she called. She's the one that actually called the police and got me formed. Okay, so the police came, and what happened when the police came? Honestly, they're really good. They were super respectful. I kind of had an idea of what was going on when the police came because my house was quiet all day and my house is never fully quiet. So for me, I had like a gut feeling that something was going to happen. And as soon as they came, I just complied. Mm-hmm. Did they have to put handcuffs on you with just protocol? No. No. Okay. No. That's good. They, they told me because I was being so calm but they weren't going to put handcuffs on me. But it's weird because I was so, like, I don't want to say, like, out of it, out of touch with reality at the time that I didn't even realize that, oh, they're bringing me in because they think I'm a danger to everyone else. Like, I'm, they're going to just weigh me, they're going to get my weight back, and I'll be good. So I thought it was only going to be the 72-hour form. And then I ended up getting formed again. And then my doctor would say, oh, yeah, a couple more days, no punishment. But they were trying to get me all leveled out. Mm -hmm. How did you end up there for two months? Uh, They had to get my mood, like, stable. So they ended up going through a bunch of different medications. And also me and myself, because my mother suggested it. 
like it wasn't one of them that said, oh, we're going to put you on a community treatment order. So when they got, they, they put me on in Vegas to Stenza, which Explain. is the needle. Yeah. And um, so every month I have to get a in-muscle injection. But they had to see me stable, like constantly on the medications. And then actually there was one physician there who really was like an advocate for people. Like if you talk, you, you, she didn't have to be your doctor. You could talk to her and she would do whatever she could to help you. So I'm telling her, look at these medications, like they're not working. Like I don't, I don't feel they're working because I was still getting super angry at like certain noises. And um, she kind of was my advocate. She went to my physician and told him, hey, look at it. I don't think we should be having him on this. Try this. And they tried it and it worked. What about your overall experience in that unit? Um, some of it was good. Like there's some amazing nurses. And then there was some nurses who you would have never guessed they wanted to work in mental health. Why? Just like, I don't know if they judge people or just the attitude, but some of them didn't seem like they were happy to even be at work. Hmm. So to me, somebody like that, it seems like they're in the wrong field. Whereas I'd had some Glenn or some uh, nurses, like I had one nurse named Glenn and he was amazing. Mm -hmm. He would go out of his way to walk up and down the halls with us when he could to get extra steps in. He would always sit there and talk to you. And he always was so positive towards me. Every time he came in, he's like, every time I come in, I'm surprised you're not gone. <laughs> like he was such a nice guy. And it's weird because when I first went in, they had me in the, um, the one part for extensive care, kind of. The secure unit, you mean? the? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And... Um, he came and talked to me right away, and he's like, look it, if you show me respect, I will show you respect. And to me, that meant a lot, because it meant, hey, look it, like, you treat me one way, I'll treat you the same way. And to me, that's a big thing, because I don't really trust too many people. And then when I ended up getting onto the other side, I saw him, he came, he gave me a hug, and he told me, he's like, look it. What I told you that day, just know I didn't have to show you respect. You had to show me respect. But because you showed me respect, I'll always show you respect. So that meant a lot to me. I can see why. I can see why. If you could, other than just the staffing, is there anything else that you would recommend be instituted or changed? Um. Well... I understand that they can't always have the rec staff there, but um, just if there is more for people to do, like sometimes you can't listen to music, like this time you couldn't be on your phone. So, which I understand, but it's like to some people, music is their biggest outlet. Mm -hmm. It also occupies them. So it's, yeah, it sounds like there wasn't a lot. A lot of, yeah, there was a lot of empty time. And did, uh, from from what I understand, patients do a lot of walking. Oh yeah, 
a lot of walking up and down the hall thinking uh i try i tried meditation there too and that actually really worked for me when i was upset how long would you walk how often would you walk and uh, any chance you counted the steps no but i do know that if you went nine if you went up and down the hall nine times it was a kilometer oh wow okay so or a mile sorry yeah so it would be one of those things where we'd try and just do it the past time, really, when there wasn't classes or I'm to play cards. I'm going to ask you something my doctor asks me all the time. Yep. And I, I really appreciate it when he does this. And that is, do you have hope? In the system or in life? You know what? I'm just going to leave that to you to answer. Do you have hope? Okay. Uh, honestly... In the system, I do have hope because I had some nurses that went out of their way to change my entire day. And then in life, there's my nieces and nephew will keep me going and keep me out of trouble. What do you want to do with your life? Honestly, I'd want to just get all this stuff sorted out and then when I can go back to work. What do you do? I'm a go-to guy at a Chevrolet dealership. Okay. For parts. Okay. How soon before, before you hope to do that? Well, I know it'll probably be still like another six months at least. Yeah. Which is kind of embarrassing and sucks. Embarrassing. Tell me about embarrassing. Well, it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of overwhelming that like people will ask me like, Oh, what do you do for work? And I'll tell them and I'll be like, but I'm off, off of work right now. And everybody asks, Oh, how come? And then some people still have a stigma around mental health. And, and <clears throat> do you find yourself maybe hiding it? Uh, I mean, I kind of want to, but I'm one of those people that I look at it this way. If I talk about it, no one can make fun of me for it. Well, you know what? It's just, that is, you're very right. Uh, unfortunately, people sort of still, we like to say we, we understand more about mental health, but we still have a long way to go to remove that stigma. But, you know, uh, just... You have done something incredible, and that is you survived, and you have come this far. You went through hell, and you went through hell as a kid. And, you know, a person who was supposed to be there to support you was not. And you still are here 30 years later. That in itself is incredible. And you know what? Your 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 mind isn't crazy. It's not it, it it's not anything like that. It it's overwhelmed. It's just overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed. So you know what? Tell that to your friends. I'm overwhelmed. I got overwhelmed, and I'm working on it. And I'm I'm really proud of you that you 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 talked about alcohol the way you did, and that you really understand the word respect you appreciate that word 
So I hope that you sh- you save some of that respect for yourself, because this ain't Thank easy. You. Yeah, I wish you all the best. That means a lot. All right. I also wish you all the best. Thank you. I can use it. Not a problem. Same here. Just a few days after we spoke, I talked with Mark's mom and asked how he was doing. Unfortunately, the update isn't what I wanted to hear. His meds have been changed, and his mom says he is now in a zombie-like state. Says he's drooling. That's a common side effect. Now, she says she's scared, but she's angry. She feels shut out from his care. Now, thank goodness for Mark. She is there to advocate for him. Unfortunately, our current mental health system does very little to support or even encourage family involvement in the healing process. If you might be interested in sharing your story, send me an email, thehappymolecule at gmail.com. All confidentiality and privacy will be respected. No real names will be used. Love to hear from you. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out the Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode. Be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health.